You're listening to audio from King's Cross Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information about King's Cross Church, visit us online at kingscrossraleigh.com. Philippians 2, verses 19 through 30. Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be encouraged by, by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. I'll seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. But I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, a fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. For this reason, I I am very eager to send him so that you may rejoice again when you see him and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Good morning. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors, if we haven't gotten a chance to, to meet yet. Um, like, uh, like we've mentioned, we're, we're in the book of Philippians, uh, picking up where we left off last week. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the table back there. You can get an app on your phone or something. I'd love for you to be able to kind of follow along to, you know, where we are. Um, yeah, just I want us to, to always keep the, the Word central and um, keep the Lord central. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and ask for his help. Father God, I thank you so much for the way that you are with us, the way that you communicate to us through your Word. I pray that you would... Bless us this morning, that you would open our hearts and have us hear from your word together, that you would speak through me, and, um, and that you would just be glorified as we look at this text together, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So as you look at this text, it um, seems a little weird. It's like, you know, Paul's been going through these, these commands and um, exhortations for the Philippians, the, you know, the Christ hymn is just this beautiful exaltation of Christ. And then all of a sudden, he's talking about kind of his travel plans. Um, so it's a little, it seems a little jarring, a little out of place. Um, but I don't think it's, it's just travel plans. Right? I think Paul put the travel plans here on purpose um, because he wants to, to point to Timothy and Epaphroditus as examples for the Philippians to follow. Um, I think, you know, we can, we can see that for a couple of reasons. I already, already kind of mentioned the, the context um, so just to, to rehash a little bit, so, you know, at the beginning of the book, Paul greets them, prays for them, thanks them for their partnership, and, um, and then, you know, he shares a little bit about what's going on with him. He's in prison. He's uh, facing the suffering, the suffering, but he's able to rejoice in spite of his circumstances. And then, um, you know, he's able to say that, you know, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And then he goes into a section of commands for the Philippians, starting in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 27. He tells them to, to live their lives worthy of the gospel. And that kind of sets the foundation for all the way through, 
you know, the passage last week, verse 18, where he encourages them, encourages the Philippians to be humble, um, to look at Christ as an example of humility, encourages them to obey and, you know, to work out their salvation in fear and trembling, to live as, as lights in the world. Um, and then right after this passage in chapter 3, verse 1, he gets back to those same themes. He tells them to rejoice. He said, you know, it's to write to you again about this is no trouble for me. So he's writing about the same things. And so I think Paul puts these, puts this section here, you know, to, to highlight Timothy and Epaphroditus as, as examples of the things that he's been talking about. We can see in this section some, some kind of cues that point back to, point back to these, um, the previous passages as well. So he says about Timothy that, you know, he, um, that he genuinely cares about their interests. So that kind of reminds us of chapter 2, verse 4, where he says everyone should look not only to their own interests, but also to the interests of others. Um, so that kind of reminds us of, um, of that. He says that Timothy serves in gospel ministry, reminding us of Jesus taking the form of a servant. He says about Epaphroditus that he came close to death for the work of Christ. And that kind of reminds us of, of Jesus being obedient to the point of death. And so what I think Paul is doing, this, the, the Christ hymn in verses 5 through 11, that's, you know, it's just Jesus is, is so high and mighty, so exalted. And we can never be like that, right? We're never going to be as humble as, as God who took on the form of a servant. We're never going to be obedient to the point of dying for someone else's sins. But it's helpful in, in the Christian life to be able to, to look at others and see them growing in their faith, see them strong in their faith, and pattern your life after theirs. So I think that's kind of what Paul's, Paul's doing. He's pointing to them as kind of realistic examples for them to follow. So um, my main idea for us, just picking up on the, the last couple of weeks. So last, last week, Ch- Chad's sermon title was Trust and Obey. So trust the Lord Jesus and obey. And so picking up on that, Trusting in the one true Lord, trusting in Jesus, obeying him, that leads to visible life change. So if we, if we see Jesus for who he is, and we see his word for what it is to, to pattern our lives after, our lives are going to look different. Um, just a couple, a couple context things to, to set us up as we go. Um, I mentioned already T- Timothy, or sorry, Paul is, is in prison. Timothy and Epaphroditus are, are with him. Epaphroditus was sent by the Philippians with a, with a gift. Um, and so the Philippians, they knew both of these guys. All right, so Paul's not pointing them to like celebrities or something to follow. But Timothy was with Paul when they planted the church, as we read about in Acts 16. So the Philippians would know Timothy, and they would know Epaphroditus because he was one of them. And so it's, it's helpful to kind of understand that. Um, and then as... So as we jump into the, the text, there's a couple verses right at the beginning, a couple things that show us accountability and discipleship. I think those are, those are foundational for, you know, for the ability to be able to look at others' lives and pattern your life after them. You have to be in community together. And so accountability and discipleship we see right here in the, the first couple of verses in 19 and 20. And th- those are... You know, I said here it's the, the foundation for faithful living. So verse 19, Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I may be encouraged by news about you. 
So this is a little bit of a warning. You know, Paul, is, Paul says Timothy's on the way, kind of. So Epaphroditus is the one that brought the letter to the Philippians. So he's already there with them. But they read here that, that Timothy's coming later. So they get these commands in this letter, and, and they know that Timothy's going to come, and he's going to kind of check in and see how they're doing. Right? He's going to bring back news to Paul, and Paul says that he wants to be encouraged. So, you know, sorry. Um, so I get my kids, I help my kids get ready for bed. Right? So I, I tell them, okay, Ruth and Titus, go get your pajamas on, go brush your teeth, and I'll see you tomorrow. I don't, I don't do that, right? Because they need some accountability, right? I say, go put your pajamas on, brush your teeth, and I'll be up there in a couple minutes to check on you. And so um, this is kind of like that. So Paul's given them these commands, given the Philippians these commands to, to be humble, to obey, and he says that Timothy's on the way. <clears throat> and then um, another thing that we see here is, is just the value of discipleship. So chapter 2, verse 20 he says that I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. So a reason that, that Paul can trust the news that Timothy brings back, he can trust Timothy to check in on the Philippians the way that Paul would want to, is because Timothy is like-minded with Paul. Like that, that word kind of literally means same soul. So Timothy and Paul have been doing gospel ministry together for years, right? They've been serving together, and they've been, Paul has been discipling Timothy to the point where they're like the same soul. They're like-minded. And so, you know, in this passage, as Paul is pointing at these guys, the way that the Philippians would see them is if they're in community together, if they're seeing each other. Um, so accountability and discipleship kind of go hand in hand. You know, you have to be close to one another. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says, Speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. So if we're not in community together, if we're not seeing each other's lives, we don't know the truth to speak to each other. We're not able to speak the truth and love to one another if we don't, if we don't see each other. Right, so holding one another accountable, discipling one another, growing together, that sets the foundation for being able to be examples to one another. So moving on, um, talking about Timothy. I think Timothy serves as, as an example of humility for us. I think there's, there's three, um, three words here that start with S that point these out. So it says, you know, Timothy, he seeks the interests of others. He serves in gospel ministry, and he's like a son with a father to Paul. So he seeks others' interests. So Philippians 2, 20 and 21, Paul says, I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So Timothy, he genuinely cares about the interests of the Philippians. And that's unique, right? You, you might have had an experience similar to me where I get a, a message on Facebook or something, kind of out of the blue, somebody I went to high school with or something, and they they act like they care about my interests, right? They say, you know, I was looking at pictures of your family and you guys look great, I'm, I hope you're doing well. Also, can you buy this product I'm selling? Like, you probably got that, right? So that person doesn't genuinely care about my interests. 
but Timothy does. Timothy genuinely cares about the Philippians' interests. That's unique. That's different. You don't do that on your own. Or you do that if the gospel has changed your life. So Timothy is a good example for the Philippians to look at in humility, in that he genuinely cares about others. This, this, sorry, this theme has been popping up over and over throughout the, um, throughout the book. You know, it says that, um, you know, Paul said back in chapter 1 that, that many preach the gospel out of envy and rivalry, right? Out of their own selfish ambition, right? They're seeking their own interests. Paul encourages the Philippians in, in chapter 2, 3, and 4, you know, to not do anything out of selfish ambition, but look out for others' interests. And so Timothy is an example of those things that he's already been talking about. Another way that we see Timothy's humility is in the way that he serves in gospel ministry. So verse 22, you know, it says that you know his proven character because he has served with me in the gospel ministry. So proven character, that references, you know, like it, like it sounds, having been tested, having been gone through something and gotten the experience of, of going through the test. Right, so I think you guys probably have ways that you're experienced, ways that you've, things used to be hard for you, but now they're easy. Right, so as a dad, I have put a car seat in the car, taken a car seat out of the car about seven million times. Right, so it's a lot easier for me to put a car seat in the car than it was when Ruth was born and we were about to take her for, home from the hospital. It took me like half an hour to get the thing buckled in right. So I've got the proven character of car seat, right? Um, this word is a little deeper than that. You know, the, the way that we see proven character other times in the New Testament, it's talking about the character that develops as you go through suffering. Right? So Romans 5, 3 to 5, you know, it says, Not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions, because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So Timothy, he's been through stuff, right? He's got the proven character of having served in gospel ministry with Paul. He has, um, he's suffered with Paul. So Paul shares throughout the New Testament several times of, of him being in prison, him being shipwrecked, him being beaten. Timothy's probably been with him in those situations. Right? He's probably gone through that same type of suffering. And he's got the proven character that, that comes through that. But even still, he doesn't count that as a status that, you know, he's, he's done with that. He's above that now. He still serves in gospel ministry. Right? That reminds us of, of Jesus, the way that he served. I think of the story of, of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Um, just a, a beautiful picture of, of the Lord, God, washing the feet of the disciples. The dirtiest servant job. He did it, and then he said that he wants to be an example for us. Jesus did that for us, for his disciples. They should do that for others as well. John 13, 14 and 15, he says, So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. So Timothy serves in gospel ministry. He reminds us of Jesus, the ultimate servant. And then the third S here, Timothy's like a son with a father to Paul. 
So obviously that's a, that's a serious closeness, right? That's a family bond. You can even think of, um, of like kind of learning the family business. You know, like Joseph was a carpenter and Jesus kind of learned that as well. Similar that, you know, Paul had the family business of, of doing gospel ministry. And Timothy has served alongside him, kind of learned the ropes from him. And um, yeah, he's, he's been like a son. And so later, Paul refers to Epaphroditus as, as brother. And so I think what Paul's, you know, he's highlighting that Timothy is, um, is humble by calling him son instead of brother. So, you know, Timothy's got the experience. He's got the proven character. He could do his own thing. Like, he could be, you know, pretty much apostle level. Like, like Paul, he's got the experience. Same soul, like-minded. But still, he, he serves like a son of the father to Paul. So I think those three things... They show us Timothy as a great example of humility for the Philippians to follow, for us to follow, the way that he doesn't seek his own interests. Right? He genuinely cares about others. The way that he serves, right, just like Jesus, and the way that he's like a son. Like he doesn't, doesn't flout his own status. Right? He's, he's willing to, to be humble and to lower himself for the sake of others. A couple other things I want to point out in... Um, in this section on Timothy, verses 23 and 24. I want to point out the way that these guys have unique roles. So Paul says in, in verse 23, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. So remember, Paul's in prison. He's got this upcoming trial. He doesn't know whether what the outcome of that trial is going to be. He doesn't know whether he's going to live and be released or whether he's going to be put to death. And so that's kind of a dark time like Paul's Paul's facing some suffering he's in the midst of this this dark time and so Timothy's with him and and Paul kind of needs Timothy to stay with him as he's facing this dark time so Timothy can minister to Paul in a way that nobody else can because they've they've served together for so long and then another you can see Paul's uniqueness as well in verse 24 he says I'm confident in the Lord that I myself also will come soon so even though Epaphroditus went, took the letter. Timothy's going to go. They're still not Paul. Paul has a unique role with the Philippians as you know, one of the founders of, of that church. And so a question for us is, um, you know, who do we have that unique role with? Who can we minister to in a way that nobody else can? Um, back at IDC, they, they have a, a tool called 555 um, where you look at five different networks, family, um, work, I don't even remember the rest, but um, <laughs> family work, yeah, I don't know, um, neighborhood, anyway, there's five of them, um, and so your family, you have a unique relationship with them, your workplace, you have unique relationships there, your neighborhood, like I don't work where you work, like I don't live in your neighborhood, um, and so what are the unique places that you can serve, unique places that God has you? that you can um, pour into others, either evangelism or discipleship. So um, as we move on to Epaphroditus, the, the main idea for, for him is that he is an example of obedience for us. All right, so Epaphroditus has, you know, he's recognized Jesus as, as his true Lord and that shapes his identity. And so that's the foundation of his, of his identity. He faces some serious suffering, some sickness. And so we see that the 
the cost of his obedience is suffering with Christ. And then Paul, Paul says that you know, he should be held in honor in spite of this sickness, right? And so the measure of obedience isn't worldly, right? It's, it's in our faithfulness to Christ. So Paul says here, verse 25, that um, I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus. So we can see that the reason he considers it necessary is kind of for all their sakes. All right, so verse 26, it says that Epaphroditus is longing for the Philippians, right, since he heard that, they heard that he was sick. All right, so he's longing for them. So it's for Epaphroditus' sake that he's going to send, um, <clears throat> he's going to send them to them. And it's also for the Philippians' sake, right? So Paul says in verse 28, I'm eager to send them so that you may rejoice. And then it's also for Paul's sake. It says, when you see him, I may be less anxious. And so, because Epaphroditus has gone through the sickness, that's why Paul is choosing to send him now and in Timothy later. And so, yeah, looking at Epaphroditus' identity here, Paul kind of piles on these terms. Right? He uses five terms. There's three that are my terms and two that are your. So he says, my brother, co-worker, fellow soldier, and then your messenger and minister to my need. So first, my brother, right? So that, that's a, you know, obviously a family closeness term. And he also uses the word my. He could have said our brother, like the Philippians know him. He could have said a brother in the faith, but he said my brother to, just to show that closeness. Like Epaphroditus and Timothy have both been brought from death to life, both been brought from darkness to light. And they've been brought into the same family. And now they're, they're brothers. Not only are they brought in the same family, but he says he's my coworker. So they're brought onto the same mission. We have work to do together. Right? We have a mission to accomplish. And he says he's my fellow soldier. So this mission, it's not easy work, right? It's not just yeah, office work. You know, my, my job is easy, right? <laughs> I just sit at a desk all day. But this is this is work, right? This he says fellow soldier. Right, so we are in battle against the enemy. And then he says that Epaphroditus is your messenger, which means you know, he brought the gift, a monetary gift from, from the Philippians to Paul. Like Paul says later that he was fully supplied by the gift. So probably a significant gift. So Epaphroditus took it. They're not just going to send anybody. Right? So Epaphroditus must have been special to the Philippians, for them to trust him enough to travel to Paul with this gift. Um, so he's trustworthy, so he, he can you know, keep track of the money and make sure that things aren't, aren't uh, mixed up. And so he has some significant skills there. And then it also says that he's your minister to my need. The word minister, you know, just like in English, is, is a religious term. It's related to our word liturgy. And so the way that Epaphroditus, he can minister to Paul. He's using his, you know, his Christian skills in that way. So he's using his worldly skills in you know, keeping track of the money and being a messenger and being trustworthy. He's also using his religious skills to, to minister to Paul. And so that's you know, a good application for us is to, to make sure that we're using all of our gifts for the kingdom. Right? Not to compartmentalize and, and say that you know, our work is, is just 
you know, it's not for God. Right? Our work is, is for God. Right? It's for the kingdom. And our, the way that, you know, our, our spiritual gifts, those are also for the kingdom. And so we have, you know, people in the church that, that are good examples for us of, of using their worldly skills to serve our church. Right? So, um, you know, Jess and Alyssa that help with child care, they both have worldly experience in teaching. Right? And they take that experience and they use it to serve our kids. I think of Liz and Ozelia both have um, skills in graphic design, social media, and they're both using those gifts to, to help us, to serve the church. And so what you know, combination of gifts and skills do you have that you can use for the kingdom? I think Epaphroditus is a good example in, in that. <clears throat> so he, you know, he has this identity in Christ in all these different, these different facets, right? He's brother, coworker, soldier, messenger, minister. He's all of these things because of who he is in Christ. And that sets the foundation for his obedience as he faces this suffering. So the cost of suffering is, is obedience, or sorry, suffering. The cost of obedience is suffering with Christ. So we see in this passage that there's some, some strong language here. Right, so Epaphroditus longs for the, for the Philippians, it says. You don't long for many things. Right, if I, if I were to say, you know, I long to take a nap this afternoon, that's probably too strong. You're like, okay, Aaron, I get you're tired, but that's too much. Tone it down a little bit. He also says that he's distressed. The only time, the only other time in the, in the New Testament that this word distressed is used is referring to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's about to be crucified. He's distressed. So there's strong language here. Paul says that if you know, Epaphroditus dies, they'll have sorrow upon sorrow. So he's already got the sorrow of being in prison. And then Epaphroditus facing this illness, that's sorrow upon sorrow. So that's some strong language here. But Paul says that, that God had mercy on them. Mercy on Epaphroditus, mercy on Paul. And so, you know, that's a good reminder for us that it's all about God. Right? So we can trust God in the midst of our suffering, because we know that he's with us. Right? No matter what, no matter what we're facing in this world, God is with us. And if you're not in a tough time, if, if your life is going pretty well, praise God for his mercy. He's, he's had mercy on you. And steward that well. Steward your life situation well, because God has mercy on you. And if you are in a tough season, just pray for the Lord's mercy. You know, it says that he's rich in mercy. So even if, even if the suffering doesn't go away, you know that the, the suffering leads to that proving character that we talked about earlier. So pray for his mercy. God is rich in mercy. We just sung, you know, his mercy is more. Our sins there are many, his mercy is more. So this last couple of verses, Epaphroditus, his, the, measure, the measure of obedience is our faithfulness to Christ. So, in a worldly sense, Epaphroditus kind of bombed his mission. Right? So the Philippians sent him with his gift to go minister to Paul. He gets there, and he gets basically terminally ill. Right? He's, he's about to die because he's so sick, and instead of supporting Paul, he needs to be supported. So he might be feeling some shame that he, he didn't do what, you know, what he was meant to do. He, didn't, he fell short. And instead of you know, pointing out that shame, Paul says we should hold people like him in honor. 
So Epaphroditus was faithful to Christ as he went on this mission, even though in a worldly sense it didn't seem like he was successful. Right? In, in God's eyes, he was successful because the measure of our obedience isn't worldly. Right? It's not our status in, in life. It's not how wealthy we are or how successful we are. Right? It's how faithful we are to Christ. And so that has, you know, that has big implications for us. Right? We might be doing extremely well in school or in our jobs or in one area of our life to the neglect of other areas. And if that's the case, then we're not being faithful in the way that we obey the Lord. Right, so we, we need to be faithful in all areas. And, you know, for me, as a, as a foster dad, right, if, depending on the, the foster child that we get, you know, it, it could impact my success in other areas of life. Right, but for me to be faithful, you know, as a, as a parent, as a foster parent, it may look different. Right, I may be a worse pastor. Right, if I'm, if I'm, kind of sucked up taking care of our foster child, right? So, yeah, evaluate your life. Ask for the Lord to to reveal himself to you in this and just see, you know, what does faithfulness look like for you? Is it, you know, pressing into your career even more? Is it pressing into your family even more? Where's the the balance? Where's the, the way to be faithful? So the last phrase here, um, in verse 30, it says that, you know, Epaphroditus came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. So Paul says when he got the gift that he was fully supplied. So I think we can infer there that what was lacking was physical presence. So Epaphroditus came and he was with Paul. And so, yeah, we see here that the physical presence with people matters. So an application for us, in our day and age, it's, it's so easy to, to isolate, to feel like you're connected to people because you can message them anytime, to feel like you're in somebody's life because you see their Facebook posts or their Instagram pictures or whatever. And so what I want to push us into, just like you know, the first couple of verses when we talked about accountability and discipleship, I want to push us to, to be in community with one another, to be in each other's lives so we, so we see the way that the Lord is working. So we see ways to speak truth into each other's lives. And, and to do it in such a way that, you know, that we're together. I think um, of a couple examples in my life of the way that I've seen physical presence mattering. I think of the birth of my two children. All right, so when Ruth was born, it was a joyous time. We were in the hospital all together. She's our firstborn. We had friends come visit us. And I, I still remember people that visited us, things they said. It was just a moment of, of joy and celebrating together. And then when Titus was born, um, it was kind of an emergency birth. He was without oxygen for eight minutes or so and, you know, born kind of looking blue. And um, they took him. We were at Rex Hospital here in Raleigh, and they took him to UNC in Chapel Hill to the NICU there. And, um, and we had people come visit us. Because we didn't know, you know, if Titus was going to be okay. We, we were afraid that he was going to have brain damage for the rest of his life. And so that was a, a really tough time in our lives. And we had people come and just be with us. It felt a little, um, it felt a little bit like, why are you, why are you visiting us? Because our baby's not here. 
right? You came because we just had a baby and our baby's not here. But people came and they ministered to us. And so what I want to call us to is to spend time together. Spend, yeah, just remember those, those big moments and, um, and be a community, be a family together. So taking a step back, kind of high level in the text, I think we can, we can apply it in a few different ways. Seems weird to you know, read these travel plans and um, you know, 2,000 years later, what, what is Paul you know, sharing that he wants to send Timothy and he's sending Epaphroditus? What does that have to do with us? So I think we can, we can apply it in four different ways. The foundation, you know, we need to remember the gospel. Right? Remember, Jesus drives everything for us. So we don't look at Timothy and Epaphroditus as examples just to follow them. We look through them to Christ. We look through our brothers and sisters to Christ. So remember the truth of the gospel, that Jesus, you know, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Right? He took the form of a servant. He lived his whole life without any sin and died on the cross to pay for our sins. And then he was resurrected. And he was highly exalted. You know, his is the name that is above every name. His is the name that our tongues will confess that he is Lord. Our knees will bow down. All of us. So remember the gospel. That's the foundation for everything. We're talking a lot about application here, about how our lives need to, need to look different. But don't forget the order, right? The gospel comes first, and that's why we live differently. So the, I think we can, we can apply this passage by sort of putting ourselves in the shoes of the different characters in this passage. All right, so we need to be like the Philippians. So one way that we need to be like the Philippians is to evaluate ourselves. Right, so remember Paul said that Timothy's on the way, and so then they're going to live differently because they got that accountability. So evaluate yourself. What if Timothy were to kind of probe your life and to see if you're living these things out? All right, so think about that. Imagine that, um, imagine that you know, news about you is going to come back to somebody. And then be like the Philippians in the way that you look to others as examples. All right, so, so who do you have in your life that, that you can look at and pattern your life after theirs? Who's discipling you? Who can you... Um, and I think that you know, the, the beauty of the church is, is that people are strong in different areas. And we can look at different people for, for growing in different areas. So another way we can, can be like Timothy and Epaphroditus. So who can you be an example to? Right? How has God gifted you? Where are you strong in your faith? Every maybe six months or so, Jess and I watch, watch Hamilton, and there's a line in there that uh, says, history has its eyes on you. Right? So who has their eyes on you? Right? Who's looking at you, and who can you be an example to? And then lastly, be like Paul. All right, so Paul points at these guys as examples. All right, he's seeing the way that Timothy is humble. He's seeing the way that Epaphroditus is obedient. And he's, he's showing them as examples. So who can you, who do you know, you know that you can point others to? So, yeah, for, for all of us, I want us to, you know, as we come to a close, just, just remember 
that, you know, whatever stage of life you're in, whether you're a new Christian, mature Christian, even not a Christian, remember that the gospel is the foundation for everything. Right? Believe in Jesus. Believe in what he did. And then have your life look different. That, that hymn that you know, we sing, that Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. I think that's just a good summary of, of the way that, um, good, a good reminder for us. To remember the truth of the gospel, Jesus paid everything for us. And then remember that we owe him everything. Our lives should look different. Just like Timothy's life looks different. Just like Epaphroditus's life looks different. Ours should too. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. Thank you for, um, even now, 2,000 years later, we can, we can read about the lives of Timothy and Epaphroditus and see them as examples for us. I pray that you would help us to, to learn from their lives, help us to be in community together, to be able to see one another, to see the way that others are living, and to be able to, to grow together as a family, as co-workers, as fellow soldiers, on mission together. We would grow together. We would, we would encourage one another to live for you, to follow you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.